Good afternoon. This is Elizabeth Smith-McCrossan here to provide you with my weekly constituency MLA update. Today is Monday, January the 11th, 2021. And my mission as member of the Legislative Assembly for Cumberland North is to serve the people of Cumberland North, to build unity and to build trust, to influence public policy and legislation for the greater good of the people, to educate and build capacity within our area, to promote the people and our area, to build a world-class healthcare system, and to improve our population health. That is my purpose and mission that I strive to achieve each and every day of the week. Last week in politics, well, it was certainly a full week. And, and as we often say, we never know what a day will bring. And that was never more true than last week. Although the week was filled with a lot of planned uh, planned and organized work, everything seemed to be eclipsed by the event that happened on Wednesday in our downtown core. And I just want to talk about that for, for a couple minutes today because I believe we need to learn lessons when there are mistakes. So last Tuesday night, I, along with many of you listening, was watching... Uh, I was watching the late night newscast when we all received an emergency alert from the New Brunswick RCMP warning of an armed gunman that was on the loose in the Moncton area. And we received initially an emergency alert that didn't actually identify the area, uh, but then that was later corrected around half an hour later. But it was good to at least be given that alert, to know to lock our doors and to be uh, on guard. The alert warned us that this gunman was armed and dangerous and that we were to not approach him. So many of us went to sleep Tuesday night. Some didn't sleep at all, but those of us that did went to sleep feeling feeling very uneasy. And I woke at around 6 a.m. I immediately looked to Twitter, looked up at the New Brunswick RCMP update, which stated that the gunman had not yet been found. I believe that was around 5.58 in the morning. Around 9.30 it was around 9.37 in the morning, New Brunswick RCMP then again tweeted that the armed gunman's car was actually located in our downtown of Amherst. Immediately, I contacted my family to make sure that they were safe, make sure their doors were locked, reached out to some of the business owners in our downtown core to make sure they were aware, which I was told that police had already been there and warned them and had asked them to lock their doors. After warning uh, my family and friends, I contacted Cumberland RCMP and asked if an emergency alert was going to be done and left a message that I, I wanted them to know that I believed that the public should be made aware of this potential threat. I also spoke with Amherstown Police as well as our mayor to also communicate that I felt the public should be warned about this potentially uh, dangerous person in our downtown. I contacted our Department of Justice twice, and on the second call was told that the alert was being held up with EMO. Finally, after the vehicle had been detected in the downtown, three and a half hours later, three and a half hours later, an emergency alert was done to inform the residents in this province. Thankfully, he was arrested a short time later with within one block of where the vehicle was found, and thankfully no one was injured. I am grateful to our local police force, the Amherstown Police, led by Chief Dwayne Pike, very professional man and chief, 
Very grateful to them as well as our local RCMP for the work they did to apprehend the suspect. I am not satisfied, however, with the length of time it took for our community to be alerted of this gunman. New Brunswick RCMP tweeted at 9.37 a.m. Not everyone's on Twitter. And although many people shared the tweet on social media and through Facebook, many people did not know and came to our downtown for appointments and for retail shopping. Children were playing across the street, literally from where the gunman was. I've had people contact me who had gone out for a walk that very morning on the same street where the gunman was found. Now, after the murders in April at port and surrounding area, our government was asked to make improvements to the process to get an emergency alert done so that it could be done timely and efficiently. Clearly, the minister responsible for emergency management has failed. If we had had a fall sitting of the legislature, like every other province in our country, emergency management legislation could have been debated and discussed and possibly amended to improve the lives of Nova Scotians. Last Wednesday's failure to have a timely emergency alert to protect the children and the people of my area will not go ignored. I have called upon the new leader of the Liberal Party, which will happen on February the 6th, to ensure that they place a minister in that role of emergency management that can lead and get the work done that's needed. And now, before there is another unnecessary tragedy in our province. Last Wednesday was a wake-up call. Let's make sure that we heed it. Last Friday, the Premier and Dr. Strang placed restrictions on those coming into Nova Scotia. As of Saturday morning at 8 a.m., anyone coming into Nova Scotia must self-isolate for 14 days if they are coming from New Brunswick. There are exemptions for those individuals, and which we know there are thousands, who must cross the border for work, health care, child custody, and post-secondary education. I will read directly from the press release released on Friday. Public health order exempts some people from self-isolation if they do not have symptoms. Those people are certain workers who must travel for their jobs, including people who routinely cross the land border for work. People who are dropping off children or picking up a child within 24 hours as part of a legal custody agreement. People traveling to and from essential health services with one accompanying support person and people can participate in legal proceedings but must otherwise self-isolate. Post-secondary education was missed from the exemption list, and after emailing Dr. Strang in the weekend, he did respond with this clarification, quote, this will be covered as an explicit exemption in the revised order and will be made clear in the relevant section on the coronavirus website, end quote. So just to clarify, anyone that is attending post-secondary education in New Brunswick that's living in Nova Scotia, um, and also anyone living in New Brunswick that's attending post-secondary education in Nova Scotia uh, is exempt from the self-isolation. Also on the online form for people entering the province to fill out this form, it is not designed for those that need to travel regularly and have exemptions. You can discuss this with the Nova Scotia border officials and they will provide to you a pass that you can keep in your vehicle for those that are exempt. Anyone that does not meet the exemption should fill out the online form. And if you need that, you can certainly call my office for that address and uh, or it is available online and on the coronavirus website. Keep in mind, Nova Scotia and New Brunswick have different travel restrictions. 
New Brunswick requires you to pre-register still before entering their province, regardless of the reason of entry. So whether or not you qualify for an exemption or not, you always have to pre-register online to enter New Brunswick. And if you're traveling regularly, they may issue you a multi-use pass, which is good for an extended period of time, but you do have to pre-register. Whereas Nova Scotia now, it's looking like, um, based on the clarification from Dr. Strang on the weekend, that Nova Scotia's online registration is only for those entering our province that are will be required to self-isolate. They're looking for information so that they'll be able to follow up with people to ensure that they are in fact complying with the 14-day isolation. Living in a border community has placed an extreme disproportionate amount of pressure and stress on our people and on our businesses. We are strong people, but many are very anxious with the number of of cases increasing in our neighboring province of New Brunswick. Whereas others find the border restrictions very stressful and restrictive as they need to cross the, the border daily for essential reasons. So I'm asking everyone to please be patient, please be kind, and please be diligent in following public health protocols that are all meant to decrease the transmission of COVID-19. We've done very well. Let's keep it going in that direction. The border rules are challenging to many, uh, but one thing I can say uh, when I watch the news, when I talk to my sister that lives in Santa Clarita, California, I can tell you I am very grateful that we are not dealing with the stress of our hospitals and ICUs being overrun with people dying from COVID. The pandemic has had unintended dangerous consequences, though, for many of the people living in our border communities. I've been contacted by several constituents whose medical appointments have been canceled by New Brunswick medical professionals. This began happening once again after New Brunswick left the Atlantic bubble on November the 26th. Cumberland County, Nova Scotia, has a long history of sharing health services with neighboring province of New Brunswick. New Brunswick patients come to our community for obstetrics, surgery, internal medicine, ENT, primary care, and Nova Scotia patients go to Sackville and Moncton for primary care and various medical specialties, including but not limited to urology, oncology, orthopedics. I am very concerned that the medical needs of my constituents are now not being met by either our province of Nova Scotia or the province of New Brunswick, and the health outcomes are going to be harmful. It is incumbent upon the Nova Scotia Health Authority and our government to work with New Brunswick to ensure that scheduled surgeries continue. We may be two different provinces, but we share one country of Canada modeled in the same healthcare system. That means we need to have coordination between New Brunswick and Nova Scotia. A top non-COVID-19 priority during this pandemic must be the continuation of surgeries. I have contacted Minister Leo Glavine and our government asking if he will assist the patients of Cumberland North who are, have been left in this precarious situation, which negatively impacts their access to medical services. On another topic, last week after the cabinet meeting, Minister Lloyd Hines told reporters that he had, that he had no plans to remove the tolls off the Cobbacoot Pass. This further demonstrates the disrespect that this government has for the people of Nova Scotia. This whole toll issue just infuriates me. There is more than ample money to pay off the debt and have a huge surplus, actually, 
that could be used for future road work on the pass. I want to make it clear today that my PC party has made a commitment to remove the tolls and I tabled legislation last spring to that effect. It was very disappointing to hear Minister Hines' comments once again last week verifying that his government has no plans to remove the tolls. Uh, They are an unnecessary hardship on the people in northern Nova Scotia that other citizens and residents of Nova Scotia do not have that same additional tax. The fact of the matter is it's unfair and from a legislative perspective, which is how Nova Scotia is supposed to be governed, legislation clearly states that once the debt is paid, the tolls are to be removed. The fact of the matter is if you study out the financial statements, which are available online under the Western Alignment Corporation, you will see very clearly that there is more than adequate amount of uh, revenue sitting in the corporation, more than double of what is owing actually on the debt. So there's absolutely no excuse to continue to have those tolls uh, being charged to the people of Cumberland County and all of Northern Nova Scotia. There's other, several other issues that I continue to work on with my municipal partners. Last week, I communicated with Jennifer Hotailing, Fred Gould, and Kathy Redmond on various municipal and shared concerns. Together, we will be campaigning to tell all Nova Scotia, Atlantic Canada, and the world that Nova Scotia starts here, Cumberland. I am determined to educate our bureaucrats here in Nova Scotia that Cumberland County is an integral part of the Atlantic Trade Corridor and our area is key to the success of the rest of the province, the region, and in fact, our entire country. This week in politics, I'm sure most of my week will be dealing with local border issues. I have written to Premier McNeil Friday afternoon and requested that the province provide a phone number and an email address for people across Nova Scotia who have questions specific to the Nova Scotia border restrictions. The Premier has consistently made policy changes on Friday afternoons, leaving people scrambling on the weekends and really having no direct place that they can find their uh, answers to their questions. We've seen this consistently um, since the pandemic began. And it's really unfair to people that are involved, whether it's municipal governments or the general public. I did have a couple of residents let me know that they had reached out to 211 and 811 on the weekend and asked questions specific to the border exemptions, and they were actually given incorrect information. So just for everyone to be aware of that, I had people being told on the weekend that you were not allowed to have an exemption for child custody going across the border, which is in fact false. So if you do have any questions, my office is more than happy to do our best to find you the answers to your questions. My office phone number is 902-661-2288, and I will continue to, to ask the, the Premier to provide some support. On, you know, on the weekend, I was emailing Dr. Strang for clarification on post-secondary education students, for clarification on the online form, and uh, God love him, you know, he responded each time, but I feel badly um, there should be better processes in place to give Dr. Strang rest and to have access to have uh, people's border questions answered. So hopefully the Premier will put a phone number and email address available for the public this week. In addition to working on meeting goals in my ongoing MLA strategic plan for Cumberland North, this week I'll be meeting with Northern Pulp, 
meeting with Nova Scotia Lands, which is, falls under my critic responsibility, meeting with my caucus colleagues, um, have a national board meeting with Equal Voice. I'll be attending an education session this week on COVID-19 vaccines that are available worldwide and have a Cumberland Forestry Advisory Committee board meeting, among many other things. I'd like to give a small pandemic update. Nova Scotia had zero new cases on Sunday. And so we were all celebrating that great news yesterday. No new cases yesterday on Sunday. There's a total of 28 active cases in Nova Scotia and no one is in hospital. Good news there. Our neighbors in New Brunswick had 14 new cases yesterday on Sunday, which is certainly uh, half of what they had been having each day. So that is good news and hopefully our, our neighbors in New Brunswick will continue to see a decrease of their positive cases. Um, as of Sunday, New Brunswick had a total of 184 positive cases of COVID-19 in their province, although no one was in hospital or ICU. So that is also some good news there. I'd like to extend some birthday greetings to anyone and everyone who's celebrating a birthday this week in our area, or if you're celebrating an anniversary, happy anniversary. Today, Kevin Casey is celebrating a birthday, so happy birthday, Kevin. Tomorrow on Tuesday, Ruth Pipes is celebrating a birthday, so I'd like to send extra special birthday greetings out to Ruth Pipes. On Wednesday, our famous hairdresser Heather Trenum is celebrating a birthday, as well as Eleanor Scoville. Eleanor is just a beautiful woman, a beautiful nurse. Uh, and uh, wish birthday greetings to her as well. Thursday, Darlene Laraid and Tanya Sparling are celebrating birthdays. And on Friday, Catherine, Catherine Boussier of uh, Beckwith, Beckwith Road area is celebrating a birthday. On Saturday, Jonathan and James Cole are celebrating a birthday and two spectacular men wishing them a birth, oh, happy birthday as well as Kathy White of Bordertown Flowers and Frills is celebrating a birthday on Saturday. So happy birthday to them and as well as anyone else who's celebrating this week. I would like to extend my sympathies to anyone who has lost a loved one recently and to you and your families. And I'll list um, some of the people who has passed in, in the past week here in our area. Gloria Grace Dickinson. Um, I'd like to extend sympathies to her family. Thomas Leslie Card. Weldon Leighton Smith. Weldon actually lived right beside me in Linden uh, while I was growing up. Very sad to see Weldon pass. He was uh, certainly a friend to 4-H and to the community. So many amazing people, really. I could say something about each one of them. Um, it's very sad to see the loss Pam, of Pam Harrison. That's Dr. Jean Harrison's mom. Pam was very active in our rotary movement worldwide. Wilma Irene Fuller also recently passed, as well as Jerry Moore, Gerald Moore. He started the um, McDonald's here in Amherst, and my husband and I are good friends with his daughter Kelly and Sean, and we certainly extend our sympathies to their family. Um, Jerry was loved by many. He certainly had an amazing personality and a very caring man, and, and certainly his business supported so many community initiatives, so... Uh, he will be missed. And then uh, she, this woman's actually my aunt who recently passed on the weekend, Joyce Karskadens. Um, very sad to see Joyce pa Joyce's passing and I wish to extend my sympathies 
to her family and friends as well. I would like to uh, extend thank you to CFTA 107.9 and Mr. Ron Bickle for providing me with this opportunity to provide you with my weekly constituency update. It's difficult to get everything in, but I try to hit the highlights as best I can. We are living through challenging days. Government is placing restrictions on movement. Some people think it's too much and that decisions for public health protocols are not being made on data and epidemiology, while others think the exact opposite and believe that government's not gone far enough to protect them. I encourage everyone to have compassion for those that think differently, to stop, to think, to have compassion, to communicate your ideas respectfully, treat one another with kindness, and always remember, whether we live in Nova Scotia, New Brunswick, or anywhere else, that we are neighbors, we are friends, and we are family. People can agree to disagree and do so respectfully. The changes that were made for Nova Scotia border restrictions, whether you agree with them or whether you don't, let's all do our best to ensure that our number of infections here in Nova Scotia and New Brunswick are as low as possible. Because if we can bring down our numbers, like Nova Scotia already has, if we can continue to bring down those numbers and bring them even lower in New Brunswick, then perhaps we can once again open up our borders between our Atlantic provinces and once again enjoy those freedoms. Regardless of where we live, Let's all continue to follow the same infection control measures, which include washing your hands, wearing a mask in public, keeping six feet away from others in public, stay home if you're sick, get tested if you believe that you are at risk for being positive for COVID-19. Let's take care of one another. Let's protect one another while respecting we can and do have different ideas and thoughts and opinions on this pandemic. At the end of the days, let's be people of faith, be trustworthy, knowledgeable, using self-control, being consistent, taking care of one another throughout all of these days, and let our actions and our decisions come always from a place of love. Take care of one another, take care of yourself, and have a great week.